Well, hello everyone, welcome to Blackhawk. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Michael and I'm a pastor on staff here and I really appreciated everything that Matt had to say in that prayer. And now we're actually gonna go a different direction and jump into the series that we're going through. So I wanna invite you all to jump in with me. Okay, so we are in a series called Rework. Last week, Pastor Chris kicked it off, and he talked about how we can be rethinking work from a biblical context. And this week, today, we're going to be talking about how we can be rethinking work in a way of rest. Next week, we're going to be talking about rethinking our identity, and then the following week, rethinking joy, all in the context of work. All right, so... I have the opportunity to work with college-age people here at Blackhawk Church, and I, I want to talk about something that's just kind of funny with the college-age people and, and certain people that I work with. They like to give me nicknames. <laughs> okay, do, are you the type of person that people like to give nicknames to? I mean, I don't know if, like, everyone gets nicknames. I feel like I'm a magnet for nicknames. I don't know if that says something about per my personality, but some of the nicknames that I get uh, from the students that I work with, they call me, like, Hey, Pastor Mike. And I'm like, it's Michael, but yes, what? They call me different variations of my last name, like Nappy. Last name's Napstad. I'm like, great, I haven't heard that before in high school. Uh, they, I'll see someone across campus and they'll be like, hey, Rip Jeans guy. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm Michael. I have a lot of nicknames, and the nickname journey with me started when I was just a young little boy with my parents. So, my parents, one of the first nicknames that I remembered them giving me was. Motor mouth Mike. <laughs> Thank you. But it was fitting. I got it because I like to talk. A little Michael's like, yeah, I get it, parents. Motor mouth Mike. And then I got braces and it switched to metal mouth Mike. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really unique. Thank you, parents. Well, at work, I've had different nicknames. And there's one nickname that actually has followed me from many different places of employment, many different uh, coworkers and bosses have called me this nickname. And it's the nickname... The Energizer Bunny. <laughs> and I totally get it. It's fitting. It's, it's because of my ears. You know? Okay. No, could you imagine? No, it's, that's weird. Okay. All right. No, I'm called the Energizer Bunny because I'm the type of guy at work. I'm busy. You know what I'm talking about? I'm busy. I'm busy. It's like those Energizer Bunny commercials. I keep going and going and going because, listen, there are projects that need to be done. You know, there's deadlines to be met. There's goals to be reached. We need to grow. And this wasn't a church mentality that I had, like, that I learned when I got at church. No, I've worked at a lot of different places before I started working working at a church. I'm called the Energizer Bunny because honestly, I really, I really like to work. Can any of you relate? Yeah, we, I like to work. But here's the reality, whether we like it or not, whether you feel like you're an Energizer Bunny or not, we live in a culture that values production above, I mean, almost everything else. So there's a very real reality that we've all in different ways had to become an energizer bunny. But here's the thing about an energizer bunny. Yes, it keeps going and going and going, but there's a point where as it's going, the battery on its back, it's gonna run out. <laughs> because batteries, they run out. 
The Energizer Bunny, he needs to rest. (laughs) Brother, you need to rest so that his batteries can recharge. And in the same way, we need to rest so that our batteries can recharge. But the difficulty about that is that we live in a society that values production, that values this going, 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 produce, produce with little to no rest so much that it can be really hard for us to find what it looks like to actually find rest so that our batteries can recharge, our internal batteries, our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It's hard to find that, but it's important. And because it's so important, but I'm honestly so little talked about today, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what that could look like, how we could be people who rest so that we can be restored, recharged, renewed. Because the reality is so often we can just feel trapped, you know, in this endless kind of cycle of work with little to no rest. But the truth is, we're not the first people to experience this. In fact, there are people in the Bible that have experienced what this this feeling looks like. And today I want to talk about a, a certain people, the Israelites in the book of Exodus. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter five. Um, We'll also have the passage on the screen in a a moment. But just to give you a little context to what what happened leading up to the passage that we're going into. So the Israelites, they were in slavery for hundreds and hundreds of years in Egypt under Pharaoh. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Israelites, they cried out to God, like, save us, God, free us, deliver us. And then God heard their cries. He answered them. He gave them Moses. And Moses was to act as the advocate of God, the person who would bring what God was saying and doing into action. So in Exodus 5, Moses and his brother Aaron, he approaches Pharaoh. And this is what he says. Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord. Now, when you see the Lord in all caps, that's the personal name of God, which is Yahweh. It's a covenantal name. This is what Yahweh, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh's hearing this and Pharaoh's thinking, I don't think so. You see, Egypt's economy was built off of a system of endless production with little to no rest so that their society could advance, their society can grow. Sound a little familiar? And and in that, there was this belief, okay, that the Egyptian gods actually demanded this endless work. And Pharaoh was the one who represented the Egyptian gods. He represented what they wanted. And in this belief humanity was actually created to produce endlessly for the Egyptian gods. So Pharaoh built this this society. He built this culture of endless production, and he built it on the back of slaves, of the Israelites, of God's people. But then God stepped in because God didn't want that for his people. God stepped in to confront that culture of endless production, that that belief system. God confronted Pharaoh. He confronted the Egyptian gods because God's people were not created for endless production without rest. No, no, no. God's people were created in his image. Genesis 1, 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created humanity. He created you. He created me in his image. And that word created, it means he, he worked. God worked. Genesis talks about how for six days God created, he worked, and on the seventh day God rested. Genesis 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, so I want to do just like a really mini deep dive into the theology behind God working and then resting because I think it's important for us to to get to know a little bit more about that as we're learning what it looks like to image God in work and rest. So God, for six days, he created the heavens and the earth. And in that, that creation, what God was doing, out of chaos, God established order. And after he established order, he created everything with the intention that everything should flourish. There's flourishment. That's his intention behind creation. And then he created humanity. And since humanity was created in God's image, humanity is to image God in establishing order out of chaos and then making everything flourish. That should be our intention, our lives, our neighbors' lives, our families, our friends, our work, our land, everything, so that it can flourish. After six days, God then rested. But God was intentional behind his rest. You see, when he rested, he actually looked back at the work that he had done and he saw the good in it. And then he actually dwelled with humanity in that resting. He rested relationally with us. He didn't just check out, he, he stepped forward. He rested with us. So we are to image God. After six days of working, we are to rest on the seventh day. And when we rest, we look back at the good that we have done in our work and we rest relationally with God. There's intention. We don't rest alone. Being created in God's image means that we work, but we also rest. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about how we're created in God's image, so we work, but today we're talking about how, yes, but we're also created in God's image, so we rest. In fact, we know we're not slaves when we rest. Now, I want to hit the pause button for just a second because there are people of color listening to me right now, especially my African-American brothers and sisters, and when, when you hear me say the word slaves, it hits differently for you. Many of you have ancestors who never got to experience rest because they were in slavery. And today, for, for, for many different reasons, you are having trouble experiencing rest because of the waves of oppression that are, that are still present in our society. But I wanna say this, God created all humans in his image. Therefore, every single person deserves rest. You deserve rest. I deserve rest. Everyone deserves 
rest. The Israelites, they deserved rest, but they weren't getting rest. So God stepped in to do something about it. God confronted this culture. He had Moses be the person to confront for him. And guess how it went? Let's, let's go back to our passage. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. Okay, so right now we have this this epic showdown that's happening in the book of Exodus. If you haven't read Exodus in a while, go ahead and read it. Or if you haven't ever before, it's, it's pretty epic. Okay, so right now, this epic battle on one side, you have Yahweh and Moses. And on the other, you have Pharaoh and the Egyptian gods. And this is a really, really, really important battle because the very identity of God's people was at stake. I mean, Pharaoh said, God's people were created to be slaves. What God said, my people are created in my image. Pharaoh said, your identity is in your work. And God said, your identity is in me. Pharaoh said, increase their work. God said, let my people go. For chapters and chapters, this epic battle unfolds until God wins. Because God always wins. God, through Moses, parts the Red Sea, God's people walk on dry land to their freedom, and then they find themselves camped around Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God not only makes a covenant between his people and him, but he also gives them 10 commandments. One of these commandments is is this. Observe the Sabbath, rest. So Sabbath is the Hebrew word. It just literally means rest. And rest just means to just cease work, just to stop working. So observe the Sabbath rest day by keeping it holy. As Yahweh your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath rest to Yahweh your God. On it, you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and Yahweh your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, Yahweh your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath, observe the rest day. The Israelites were no longer slaves. The Israelites were now free. That's why they keep the Sabbath. They keep it because they're free. I mean, think about it. Do you you see it? For those of us who grew up who are able to experience a weekend and we just kind of consider or we've practiced what Sabbath could look like, it might look like a day where, you know, we kind of relax, we have a little fun. But for the ancient Israelites and for different people throughout history who have experienced exploitation, who've experienced oppression, who've experienced enslavement, the ability to take one day, one day to rest each week, man, that is a revolutionary declaration of freedom. To have the ability to rest one day is saying that I am not created for exploitation. I'm not created for oppression. I'm not created for enslavement. I am created in the very image of God, my father. I deserve dignity because of that. Therefore, I can rest. 
That's exactly the type of community, a God, kingdom of God community that God was wanting his people to build. He wanted that. And he wanted the nations to see that and adopt that and spread it throughout the world. You see, Pharaoh, he built a culture without rest. But God was wanting his people to build a new one. Which leads me to the question, how do you think we've built our culture today? I mean, sure, there are different laws, or there were different laws um, called blue laws that different states in America uh, had, which were just um, not uh, practicing different trades on different Sundays, like different laws said, you can't do this or you can't do that. That happened, but that's not really the case that much in America except for maybe (laughs) Chick-fil-A. And for some reason on Sunday, I always want Chick-fil-A, but it's closed. I don't know if I'm the only one. I don't want to talk about it now because that might mess everything up. But but if I honestly had to pick between what Pharaoh was building, the culture Pharaoh was building, and the culture that God was wanting his people to build, honestly, I got to say that I feel like we've played Pharaoh and built a culture a lot like his. I mean, not only have we used slavery to help build our culture, but we built a culture where we just value production above almost everything else. We keep going and going and going without that much rest. But here's the reality. As we kept going and going and going without that much rest, as we've been playing Pharaoh, we've, we've actually become enslaved in this cycle that feels like it doesn't end without much rest. So, when we decide to intentionally make rest, it's difficult because then we're going countercultural. It can be, it can be different and be, it can be difficult. But God said that you are created in his image. Therefore, you need to rest because he is a God who rests. Because if you don't, man, as your internal battery goes down and down, it could be, it could be pretty bad. <laughs> So I remember a time, it was really, really recent. It was just a, a few months ago. Uh, I was at a counseling appointment. And um, I'm going to just be real honest with all of you. I was not doing super well. <laughs> I sat down, and um, it was kind of quiet in the room. My counselor and I, we made eye contact. That like awkward silence started filling the room. And I'm like, OK, do you talk? Do I talk? What, what happens? What's going on? She started talking, and she said, hey, Michael, how are you doing? Which is a pretty normal question to ask someone if you're a counselor. Like, how are you doing? I'm sure most counselors say that. But my response, man, I just had like a full on just meltdown. I said, oh my gosh, how am I doing? Let me tell you how I'm doing. I am extremely exhausted. Like, I am spent. I am wiped. Man, I just feel like I'm running myself ragged. I just feel like I have horrible boundaries at work. Even though my manager's like, Michael, you gotta rest. Buddy, what are you doing? I wasn't listening. And not only that, when I came home, I don't know if you feel like this, I'm sure most of you do, but when I come, came home, there were so many things that I had to get done or I felt like I had to get done, but I had no time and no energy to get them done. Everything that was just going on in, in the world was just like weighing me down and I had different relationships that were getting complicated. I, and I said, man, how am I doing? I am exhausted. Have you ever found yourself in a season or a situation like that before where you just feel exhausted? 
it all kind of reminded me of the game Jenga. So we're going to play a little Jenga. You didn't think that when you were coming to church, huh? Well, think again. Thanks, buddy. Let's give him a hand. You did a good job. There you go. There you go. He didn't expect that. He's like, what are you doing? But when I had this meltdown in my counseling office, I, I honestly couldn't help but think of Jenga. Now, I love the game Jenga. I don't know if you've played Jenga or if you, you know, maybe you did and it's been a long time. Maybe you don't know the rules. Maybe you do. Okay, this is kind of how Jenga goes. So Jenga, it's typically p- played with more than one person, maybe two people, maybe more. And each, person's, each person takes a turn. And in Jenga, what you do is one person finds a little block. I, just, I actually really love this game. And then you, you put it on the top, and the next person has to go. And the next person, they find another block, and they put it on top. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. We're just taking away blocks. Then the next person goes, and you're just like trying to find the right one. You take a block, and you put it on. And then the next person takes a block. And then you keep taking from the structure, and you keep putting it on top. Taking from the structure and putting it on top. And soon, the structure just gets so tall. But here's the deal. You're building from the internal resources. And as it's getting taller, oh boy, the more the structure, if you've played Jenga, you know what it's like. It starts to sway and then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know which one to pick. And then finally someone picks a block and that's the wrong block. And it all just comes crashing down and the person that made it go crashing down, they the loser. (laughs) They lost. And this is a big Jenga game, so it's kind of terrifying when you play with a big one, but it's fun. And when I stopped to think about it, I couldn't help but think about how the game Jenga is a lot like the culture of productivity that we all live in. I mean, think of it this way. We, you, are the Jenga structure. And as we work, as we build our lives, what we're doing is we're taking from our own resources. We're taking from our Mental, physical, we're taking, I don't want to take that one. (laughs) I'm on stage here, you got to be careful. We keep taking from our mental, emotional, physical resources to build and to build. We keep going and going and going because we're energizer bunnies living in a feral culture. But listen, the more we keep going and going, and going. The more we keep building, the closer we come to this structure, to our lives just completely toppling down. Or if you're like me, having a total and complete meltdown in my counselor's office, because there's a cost to this feral culture that we live in, and you pay it. We pay it. When I was in my counselor's office, meltdown, I was talking to her and I said, okay, honestly, it's not really the day of rest that I'm having, uh, having a problem with. Like, yeah, it's kind of hard to really take a full day of rest, but I'm really trying. I'm, I don't get it perfect. Listen, it's the six days <laughs> that I'm really struggling with because I am just busy during the other six days. So then she asked me, okay, what are you doing to rest during the other six days? And I was like, ah, what? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't really thought about that before. But then I said, listen, you don't get how busy I am. You don't know the stuff that I have to do. I don't have time to rest during the six days. And then she was like, okay, I want to challenge you to find time. And I'm like, whew, okay. 
Then we talked about what that could look like for me, how I can find margin. I went home. I kind of did what we talked about. For me, I created a space in my house where I can be alone. And for five minutes in the morning and for five minutes at night, I can just rest. I put away my technology, put away my phone, clear my mind and just rest. I gotta be honest with you. (laughs) On one hand, it felt weird. (laughs) It felt silly. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I have things to do. And on the other hand, I started coming in contact with my real, real feelings of exhaustion and restlessness. And I thought, oh, that's a lot. How can I ever feel restored? I kind of felt like I was going to a bonfire and to try to put it out with a little squirt gun. Like, that's not going to work. But I kept at it. I kept at it. And I kept at it. And I kept at it. And after a while, I just felt this little, little sliver of restoration happen when I was resting. My internal battery started to feel recharged. My mental, physical, and emotional well-being started being restored. And that whole kind of season made me realize that, yeah, while it's important to try to be intentional to take one day of rest, the other six days are important too. It's important to have a Sabbath, but what does it look like to have a Sabbath mindset during the rest of the week so that you can move towards restoration? There's a common phrase that different Jewish people say to each other, uh, even today, and it's Shabbat Shalom. And Shabbat Shalom means Sabbath, peace, or wholeness. Shabbat is the word for Sabbath, and Sabbath means rest. Shalom is a word that means peace, wholeness, completeness. It's this idea that things are being restored back to the way that they should be restored. And different people will say this to each other, but it's not just something they just say. There's intentionality behind it, that there's intentionality behind our rest. That when one works, that's great, But when one rests, we rest. And that doesn't mean like if you work a nine to five or something like that, you come home and you just do like different house projects. No, that's still work. (laughs) It doesn't mean that after you work, you come home and do schoolwork or something. That's still work. It doesn't mean that like I'm watching Netflix while I'm kind of scrolling on social media or I'm kind of doing my laundry while I'm doing my dishes. That's multitasking. That's fake rest. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm guilty of fake rest. That's not what I'm talking about, but to intentionally hit the pause button and rest. To model what we should model as God did, as we learn in Genesis, when God rested, what he did was he stopped and he looked back at the work that he had done and he saw the good in it. Let me ask you, if you've taken time to rest before, when you rested, Have you looked back at the work that you've done? Notice the good in it. So easy for me to notice the bad or the hardships or or just keep plowing forward, but notice the good. What would happen if we start doing that? And then to rest with God, rest relationally, dwell with God. 
That's Sabbath, that's Shabbat, that's rest. But then there's this idea of shalom. It's resting relationally. And that can, or sorry, resting, yes, relationally, but restoratively, that's our word I was looking for. Resting in a way that we can feel restored. And that's gonna look different for everyone. I've talked to people in different ways that they rest that leads to restoration. They journal. They're like, I just gotta sit down, I gotta get a journal, and I have to write down all the craziness that's going on in here, and I have to put it on paper. And when they do that, they feel a sense of rest and then restoration. I'm not a guy who journals. <laughs> I don't like journaling. For all of you who feel guilty for not liking journaling, this is, here you go, you have a friend right now. I like to put my phone away and just quiet my mind. I like to go on walks outside to find something that works for you that can lead to restoration. And then after we do that, to continue our work of establishing order in chaos and helping everything around us flourish. You see, there's purpose, a godly purpose behind our work. Shabbat Shalom. That's the type of culture that God was wanting us to build, but it's not the type of culture that we've been building. So I've been in Madison uh, for almost four years now, which is kind of crazy. And before this, I was a pastor at a church in the Silicon Valley. I was a pastor of college age and young adults. And something that was interesting about being a pastor in that age demographic in the tech capital of the world was that I got invited to a lot of different um, tech organizations like Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these things by different volunteers and different congregants for free lunch, which is awesome. I like free lunch. But what was really cool was that when I was at each of these tech organizations, kind of from a visitor's perspective, I got to see the different cultures at these different tech organizations. And the, my favorite thing that I got to notice is what I like to call work perks. <laughs> I love me a work perk. That's different perks that work gives to their employees. So I want to go over a few of the work perks that I've noticed and that I just know are out there. So the first one is Google. So Google apparently believes that every employee should not be more than 200 feet away from free food. Amen. So, so what they've done over around 70 global locations, they have made about 1,300 micro kitchens to where you can just go if you're a little hungry, you can get a little free snack and go back to work, which is amazing. I want a micro kitchen. And not only that, okay, let's say you're, you're working and oh, I'm just getting a little tired. I'm writing an email and I'm, I'm doing a little head nod or you know when you're in a meeting and you're like paying attention. If you work at a church, it's like, let's pray. And you do one of these <laughs> and you're like, dear Jesus, let this be a five minute prayer because I just need a little nap. <clears throat> if you're at Google, you just kind of waltz right over to this little nap pod and take a little nap and then you're just refreshed and you go right back. Let's say you're busy and you're like, oh, I have 10 things that I need to do after I'm done working. If Google has a concierge service, they'll do all those things for you. If you wanna to go to the gym afterwards, but the drive is so far, go down the hall because there's a free fitness center with different classes that you can take. They even reward hard work with massages. Okay, to top it all off, you can bring your dog to work. <laughs> Why don't I work at Google? <laughs> I'm just joking, Matt, I'm not leaving. There's, there's an existential crisis happening. We're fine, it's fine, we're good. <clears throat> 
Twitter. Twitter apparently gives catered meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner to all of their employees. And they have different work perks like on-site acupuncture, meditation classes, and so on and so forth. Amazon. Amazon has this like really funky um, glass biosphere where inside of it they have over 40,000 different plants just so that their employees can just feel a little sense of nature when they're working. <laughs> That's awesome and unique. Madison. Madison has so many different amazing um, organizations, and I'm only going to talk about one because of time. Epic. Epic, if you haven't been to Epic, Epic is, I'm going to say it, it's Epic. You know, sorry guys, eye rolls. Um, but they have so many amazing buildings, and they have so many different great things that they do for their employees. Epic is awesome. They even have some of the best chefs in all of Madison working there. If you're moving here from Epic right now, we just want to say welcome. We want to get to know you. We love Epic. Now, I love these organizations. I love that different executives are thinking about different ways to meet their employees as they're working hard. But I, want to, I don't want to talk about their intentions. <laughs> I want to talk about my intentions <laughs> for a second, okay? These are the confessions of an Energizer Bunny because... If this Energizer Bunny were to work at one of those tech organizations, I'm not going home. Maybe to sleep, or I'll just camp in a nap pod. I'm not gonna go home, because why would you go home when you have all the benefits of home right at work? You're getting sleepy, nap pod. You got an errand to run, someone will get it. Dinner, it's taken care of. And if you don't think that's a problem, think again because it's moving in the direction of a total work-life takeover. And a lot of you have experienced that in different ways. In the past few years, it really hasn't helped. I mean, when COVID hit in 2020, that dramatically changed work for most of us. I mean, instead of leaving home to go to work, work came home. It was a work-life takeover. And it's making it harder for us to stop Work. Yes, it was great to, to help us when it came in contact with other people, but it's moving in the direction of work-life takeover. Why would I need a micro-kitchen if I have my own kitchen? <laughs> Why would I need a, a nap pod when I have my own bed? We have everything around us to keep us going and going and going. You don't even have to work at a tech company to know what it's like to keep going and going and going, which makes me wonder... How much longer do you think we can really keep going without rest? In your life, how's your Jenga structure? As you're taking from all of your mental, physical, and emotional resources to build, as you keep taking and taking to build a taller life, to build a bigger life, to build a better life, or to just keep it all from falling down, how are you doing? How are you really doing? How much margin do you have left? Do you feel like you're about ready to just topple? Because there's a price to this pharaoh culture that we live in and you pay it. And God knew it. That's why he said rest so you can be restored. That's why he said Sabbath. Move towards a Sabbath mindset so you can experience shalom. And the very real question that I want each and every one of you to ask yourself right now is, do you want that? Do you want that?
God told Pharaoh, let my people go. Do you want to be let go? You might be listening to me right now and you might be thinking, yeah, I do want to be let go, but I don't know what that looks like. Have you ever heard of reverse Jenga? <laughs> I'm guessing you haven't, and there's a good reason. Totally made it up. <laughs> no one's played it, no one knows what it's like, but reverse Jenga is where you identify the different holes that you've taken from yourself to build the different resources. You identify those, and when you rest, which means you stop building, that's what rest means, you then move to restoration, which means that you begin to restore. You begin to restore these areas that you've taken from. But here's the thing about reverse Jenga. Yes, yeah, no, this one's not going in. It can be difficult. <laughs> it can be hard. There we go. It can be hard to put them back, but that's the point. Because if you live your life of working without a rhythm of rest, and then you begin to insert rest into it, it's going to be difficult for multiple reasons. I mean, when the Israelites were freed from Egypt, they went into the desert wilderness. And in the desert wilderness, they were there for years and years. And God taught them what it looked like to rest because they didn't even have a category for it. And he taught them what it looked like to depend on him. You see, Jenga's goal is to build your life until it all topples down. But Reverse Jenga's goal is to stop, to rest, and to begin building back. And listen to me on this. If you don't build back, if you're like, I don't care, I want to keep going, I want to keep building, I'm not going to rest, I'm going to be reckless. Yeah, it's starting to scare me too. And you keep going, and then you finally... You go too far. Now, some of you are looking at these blocks right now and you're thinking, that's me. That's me. And not only it's you, but it's your family, it's your friends, it's your coworkers, it's your employees. Because when we build without building back, it doesn't just affect us, it affects the people around us. And you're looking at this and you're thinking, I get it. It's time to start rethinking rest. Maybe you're not this yet, but you're the, the Jenga tower and you're just kind of swaying and you're like, I don't want to end up like this. I get it. It's time that I start rethinking rest. Or maybe you're the structure. You just have a couple blocks that are out and you're looking at this and you're like, oh my goodness, I get it. It's time that I start rethinking rest. What would it look like if all of us intentionally hit the pause button in our lives and rethought rest so that we can move to restoration. Now, what does that look like? As we end, here's a couple things that I wrote down. Some of these might work for you. Some of them might not. None of them might work for you. This is an opportunity to get creative. Maybe you can create space without technology where you can just rest and pray. Maybe you can journal. I'm not a guy who journals. Some people journal. A lot of people love it. Maybe you can go on a walk or run or exercise. Maybe you can do something outdoors. Find a hobby that doesn't produce anything but your own well-being. And maybe if you've established a rhythm of rest that leads to restoration, you can help someone else experiencing rest, experience rest that's, that's hard for them, maybe in their lives. It's challenging. Maybe you can watch their kids. 
Maybe you can cook dinner for a single parent. You can get creative. There's so many things that we can do, but here's the reality. God created us to work, but he also created us to rest. Can you imagine what your life, what your family, your friends and your coworkers, your employees, what it would look like if we took it seriously? You are created in God's image. Let's take it seriously. Let's rest so that we can be restored. Amen. Let's pray. So Jesus, man, I feel like that's telling a, telling a lake to be dry, <laughs> telling a, a work culture, an energizer bunny like me to rest. It can be hard. But I pray, Jesus, that you show us what it could look like to establish a rhythm of rest because we are created in your image. You said we deserve it, so God, I pray that we can walk into it. God, some of us right now feel like those blocks. We feel like everything is just kind of tumbled down. God, I pray that you restore. You are the God of restoration. You can build back. God, I pray that we can be a community that moves towards rest and restoration so that we can continue the good work that you have called us into. Help us rest. Help us lean back. Help us trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.